Hello and welcome to the Spirit Talk Podcast, where we'll talk all things spiritual. I'm your host and the creator of the podcast, Brandy Bolton. Join me at looking at spirituality from many different angles. There will be no stone left unturned. From science and spirit to topics that some may call woo-woo, I will also discuss my own experiences as a developing psychic and medium. This podcast is for all the seekers out there, and I sincerely hope you enjoy. Hello, Soul Tribe. I'm so happy to be at the mic again recording another episode. We are well into September now. Holy smokes. October in a couple days. I have my kids settled into their routines at school. It feels so good to get into the routine with them. Time marches on. I always felt that the beginning of the school year lined up so nicely with astrology. Virgo season feels perfect for getting organized, feeling put together, and getting into a more practical mode as summer comes to an end. I had that feeling when I was in school myself, and now I get to experience it as a mom which is amazing, especially now having a bit of astrology knowledge, which corroborates the energy I have always felt at the end of August and and through September. For me, this past Virgo season was really healing and self-reflective. This summer, I spent a lot of time with friends and family and honestly went through quite a growth period. So much reflection, inner work, It really, that's what really played out for me this summer. And as I was experiencing that, my energetic signature was changing slightly, but noticeably. Now I'm through that healing phase and and feeling somewhat comfortable in my own skin again. And I'm ready to throw myself into spirit talk. My cup is full, so to speak. It feels really good. Today... I'm talking about the energy in our homes and the environment we're in. I had settled on that for the first topic back since there were only a few episodes over summer when when I was really drawn to a small little book I have on a shelf after I had settled on, you know, talking about the energy within our homes. And I keep that book there on the shelf because it's the exact right size for the aesthetic I want beside a globe and some other books and it's orange which ties in other orange items like a salt lamp I have so in other words I have it there because it looks good and it feels right which is very fitting to what I'm chatting about today I hadn't read the book in a long time let alone did I even remember what it was but As it happened, I was nudged to pick it up and have a look as I was sitting down to prepare for this episode. And I had one of those, oh, I remember this type of moments. I loved that book. The book is Feng Shui Do's and Taboos by Angie Ma Wong. As I flipped through the book, I thought, oh my goodness, I get it. I was nudged to pick this up because it totally goes with what I had decided to talk about today. And just like that, I was inspired to talk a little bit about feng shui and how the flow of energy or chi can make all the difference in one's life. 
I get many messages and emails from listeners and, and members of Spirit Talk, a soul tribe on Facebook, who, who want to improve their intuition and psychic abilities. I answer these with various different tips like practice, 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 put yourself out there, work outside of your comfort zone, state your intention to the universe, guides, angels, whoever feels right for you. But I don't mention the energy you surround yourself with. And I'm going to start mentioning that to people who, who ask, how do I improve my, my intuition, my psychic abilities? Because the space we spend time in, it's important. We want to feel good in this space and promote an atmosphere of good luck, abundance, love, harmony. And also, when it comes to practice, whether it be psychic skills, mediumship, Reiki, or anything uh, that has to do with, you know, unseen energies, tuning into the space around you is practice in and of itself. So getting really neutral before you do this, maybe after a meditation or something that really calms your mind, get into a neutral state of mind and just take in the space you're in. How does it make you feel? Is there an object or an item that blocks the flow of energy that you could simply move to a different spot and everything feels better? Or maybe you could tune in and does it feel stagnant or stale? That could be a simple fix of getting a couple houseplants or opening the window. My point is that tuning into the space around you can be an excellent practice for reading energy. And I would argue that the least woo-woo or spiritual or awakened person or somebody who wouldn't call themselves those things, who is very good at interior design, is actually quite adept at reading energy in a space. They may not say it in those terms, but there are folks out there who are highly energy sensitive to especially spatial awareness, who don't even realize that it is kind of like one of their psychic gifts or one of their, you know, spiritual abilities. <laughs> they might not say that about themselves. Um, but we all we all know that there are people who are sensitives who who don't quite know that yet. But flipping through the the feng shui book, I was reminded of when I bought it. Uh, it was 2013. I had just had my first child. I wanted our home, especially the bedrooms, to be a spot that promoted wellness and good sleep. <laughs> I really enjoyed the book and I did put some of the principles into practice and it felt right. Now, almost 10 years later, I don't intentionally use feng shui. Rather, I trust my intuition and check in with how I feel when I'm arranging things and and decorating in my home. But I noticed as I, I did research for this episode that, what do you know, a lot of the things I do intuitively to manage good energy in my home is feng shui approved. <laughs> so as an energy sense of person, that didn't really surprise me since feng shui is thousands of years old and the ancients were highly attuned to their environment and the flow of energy. And it was, it was both a practical and spiritual desire, of course, as it is today amongst people, especially those who are really energy tuned. So feng shui, a bit about that and its history. First of all, feng means wind and shui means water, wind water. 
feng shui is the practice of allowing qi to flow the best way possible. Qi is electromagnetic energy which flows through everything in creation. So feng shui is used to bring harmony and balance to the energy of life itself, a balance of yin and yang, positive and negative. Feng shui is part of a holistic philosophy that our lives are deeply affected by our physical and emotional environments. And it's a tool used to be grounded, centered, and to feel really at our best. So apparently a third of people in modern China believe in feng shui today. I'm sure that's a lower percentage than say a few hundred years ago. There have been political attempts to poo-poo the idea of feng shui, which is interesting. And today in China, it's illegal to open a business for feng shui, like being a feng shui consultant is not a business you're allowed to have. Something to ponder, definitely. But I certainly won't get into Chinese politics here. Excuse that digression. (laughs) In the West, feng shui is alive and well in the entrepreneurial world. There are countless people who call themselves feng shui experts. I'm sure there are some better than others. Where I'm from, there's quite a population of rich Chinese people. And some of them spend thousands on feng shui consultants and hundreds of thousands on implementing feng shui into their design. When I was young, my dad was in construction and there was a time he was working in some very affluent neighborhoods in Vancouver. One time he took me to his job site and there happened to be a feng shui expert on site. The young, very rich Chinese couple took her advice so seriously. I caught just a glimpse of their interaction and my dad had kind of filled me in about what was going on there. I was fascinated. And I guess my dad was too because he had some details. (laughs) The expert helped the couple with every step of the way from which neighborhood to build in to which direction to face the house to where exactly to hang family photos on the walls once the house was complete. That's what I call good energetic hygiene. I bet that house felt incredible. Now, feng shui's roots go back to ancient China. It is linked to early Taoism and was documented as early as 960 BC. It originated in Chinese astronomy. Uh, Some current techniques can be traced to Neolithic China, while others were added later. Now, I just want to touch on this idea of bringing the sky down to the earth. Many cities have been built with this concept of bringing the gods down to the city. Beijing was built on a perfect north-south axis. The city is aligned cosmically with the stars and the sky in mind. When people have put great thought and energy into aligning the sky to where they live, the way that the sunlight hits entryways of homes or or buildings is perfectly aligned on the winter solstice. And that's one of the principles of feng shui. However, it must be some ancient knowledge that's passed down in other forms as well. Considering this is the case for other cities, such as Angkor Wat in Cambodia, 
Teotihuacan, Mexico. I hope I said that right. Teotihuacan, Mexico. It's an ancient Mayan city. And even Washington, D.C. So to think that these different cultures over time have built their important cities in a similar way, almost as if using a template, that begs so many more questions about ancient knowledge. It, it does for me. I know it does. It must for some of you as well. But I'll stick to talking about feng shui in particular. I just wanted to give you an idea that it appears, at least to me, that feng shui really taps into something that is greater and is connected to other methods and more ways than we know. It's like the universe gave us a gift of how to optimize energy flow, which is a thought that gives me great comfort. So there's, there's more than one school of feng shui. Some say there are dozens or more variations, but there are certainly three main schools of feng shui, which are traditional, classic, and Western. The main difference of Western feng shui being there's much less calculation and formula put in. It's, it's easier to learn. It's more focused on interior design, especially in the U.S. or, you know, in North America. Um, classic school puts focus on the environment surrounding the home, which really was quite for practical reasons in that the land one's home is built on was really examined closely, situating the home so breezes flow through perfectly, water flows well, sunlight touches certain parts at certain times. That's kind of the classic school. Compass school or traditional uses the same thought process as classic, but has a much more focus on math, astrology, uh, the use of an actual compass to find true directions. This method requires the most research to create what's called a Bagua map, which is used to determine the house direction in relation to the stars and a compass. It's extremely in-depth, and I'm sure it can take a very long time to become a wise traditional feng shui master. The Western version of feng shui, it might, it might lend itself well to a decorating reality show you might find on HDTV or something like that. It isn't just bits and pieces taken from tr traditional and classic. It, it was founded by a Buddhist man who was said to be enlightened. I love that. That's interesting. I, I, I hear about enlightened people and I'm just in awe. Uh, he was referred to as His Holiness Grandmaster Professor Lin Yun, and he was well known for his integration of Buddhist teachings, yin-yang philosophy, the theory of qi, feng shui, spirituality, holistic healing, transcendental meditation and cures, uh, and Chinese folklore. And, and he developed teachings known as Black Sect Esoteric Buddhist Feng Shui. <laughs> Say that 10 times fast. It, it really is what was brought to the West. He brought it out to the United States. And that esoteric Feng Shui is what really took off. There are shows about it sure you'll see it all over the place if you if you're paying attention most of it is quite watered down 
you know, whatever you see on TV shows might be quite watered down. And what I'll talk to about today um, when I get to the feng shui tips is kind of the Western watered down version that I found on a website. Interesting nonetheless. So there's a little bit of, of, of history of the, of the schools. Now I'll just touch on a few key points about feng shui that I think a lot of you find interesting. Feng shui takes into account five elements. Yes, five, the same as the elements we think, air, water, fire, earth, but also metal. These elements interact with each other in two ways, generative or destructive. In the generative relationship, one element is the source for the next. So wood generates fire is, is a good example. While in the destructive cycle, an element can destroy another. Example, water puts out fire. So the idea is to get the elements to work generatively. And like in Chinese and holistic medicine, we want a good flow of qi within our body, a balance of yin and yang, clear channels and chakras. I think of Reiki and that is why I do energy work. It brings harmony and flow within our body. Feng shui is exactly that, but for the environment our bodies are in. So if there is a blockage or obstruction of qi either in or out of the body, we can become imbalanced and diseased. In feng shui, there are colors, animals, numbers, elements, and seasons linked to each direction. There are also areas of the home related to different aspects like family, career, wealth, fame, romance. And as, as one really learns feng shui, they would realize that the different schools can vary really greatly. <laughs> and if becoming a feng shui consultant or expert, there would be a time when they need to choose which, which direction to go. And hopefully that would be whichever one resonates with them the most or whichever one they are most drawn to. So seeing as I am no expert, I won't get much deeper into the minutia that comes with feng shui. I will zoom out a bit here and give some tips and tricks um, how to allow qi to flow well in your home using the principles of feng shui. You'll certainly see how it just kind of makes sense if you're sensitive to energies, which I'm sure most of you listening are. So let's get into it. Feng shui 101, feng shui light. <laughs> feng shui spirit talk style with some intuitive tips from, from me. I'll give a few tips I found on a website about feng shui. I'll put the website in the show notes and I'll also add my two cents as an experienced energy reader. Let's go. Number one, declutter your home. It is important to get rid of the extra things you no longer need it is a bad idea to have your closets full as this means you don't have space for anything new in your life. Also avoid storing things under your bed. <laughs> well, that makes sense. A clear, clean home leads, to, leads itself to a clear mind. Um, <laughs> reading that though, I guess I should ask my husband to move his hunting rifle out from underneath our bed. <laughs> Thanks, tips. <laughs> uh, number two. Learn about five feng shui elements. 
More than 3,000 years ago, the Chinese established the order of the five elements, wood, earth, fire, water, and metal, that describe all phenomena and properties of the universe. Each element helped to invoke a particular mood and achieve a goal. Of course, this 100% makes sense to me. I've done an episode for each element, and if you need tips as to what they mean, what vibe they can bring into your home, you can listen to those or do your own research. Of course, I don't have metal because I am on a different school of wood, earth, fire, water, um, using astrology, numerology, and and such. The metal one is interesting to me. I'm going to do a little bit more reading about that and what it means. To me, it kind of goes with earth, but... Well, with earth and fire and yeah, I, yeah. Okay. The metal one is a little confusing to me still, but I'm intrigued to read more about it. Um, I'm not sure if it is feng shui, but for me, I really like to make sure there is a balance of elements, especially in my living room. It just feels right. It just feels right. Okay. Next tip, let in air and light. One of the basic feng shui tips for home for the home is to bring more airiness and freedom to your interior. Bright light is a good feature and encourages positive energy while its absence is linked to stress, poor health, and financial problems. Woohoo! Couldn't agree more. I do not feel right in a dark or stuffy environment. Sometimes at night, if, if uh, we're watching TV, my husband will close the blinds um, in the living room I get that he doesn't want people from outside to see in when it's dark out. But the first thing that I do in the morning, literally one of the very first things after I get out of my bedroom is open the blinds and the front windows. Even in the dead of winter, I'm sure to open the front window for at least an hour because it allows movement and exchange exchange of um, air and everything just feels better when light's pouring on it. It just feels better. And if there's corners in your home that are that don't get much light, you can always cleanse them with smoke. I love a good burning cleanse. And to me, that kind of goes hand in hand with letting in air and light as well. Those darker corners can get energetically cleared by smoke really well. You'll notice a difference in a big way. Stagnant energy is broken up. And not to get too far off course here, (laughs) if you have spirit activity, it's a great idea to let as much air and light in as possible and cleanse the corners, ladies and gents. Get those corners. If you can't use smoke because of pets or health issues, you you can use water and essential oils for the same effect. At least for me, energetically reading it is the same effect. I prefer smoke because it just, I can, like, I can actually see it getting into the corners. So that feels good for me. Um, okay. Number next, choose the correct bed location. The bed should be in the corner, not touching the wall on either side, except for the back part. A bed as well as desk or stove needs to be in placed into a command position, which means you need to see the entrance when raising your head. But be careful not to place the bed opposite the door or with a window at your back. Hmm. If it is possible in your room to see the door from this location, place a mirror near the bed to be able to see the entrance. Ooh, oh my gosh, there's a lot there. Um, I th- you know, that means you need to be able to see the door from your bed. To me, that makes sense. It's kind of hard to explain, but it just feels like better chi flow. 
you know, chi energy is not substantiated by science yet. Hopefully science will catch up soon, but you just know, especially as an energy sensitive, you just know. Also having your bed against the wall isn't great, especially for couples. Um, meaning like there should be both sides should have like a walkway. The back of your bed, the headboard should be against the wall. I'd be a little bit more flexible in a child's room. You know, if it's only option to have the bed against the wall, I wouldn't think that's too big of a deal. But for couples, should definitely have space on either side of the bed. Uh, what else did they say? Oh, yeah, the head of the bed or desk or stove should be anchored to a wall. So like the back part of your, your bed where a headboard is, that's support for your soul. I mean, your bed is a spot where you're most vulnerable. You literally let your body be unconscious there while your soul is pieced out astral traveling. <laughs> I mean, not necessarily every night you're astral traveling. I have been a lot lately, but something about the bed feeling more anchored against the wall is, is comforting to leave your body there while you're, while you're out for a bit. It just feels right. That's my two cents on that. Uh, next number, use plants for adding good energy. Hell yeah. Bring the outdoors in by adding flowers. Some flowers are better for feng shui based on their need for water. The more water a flower needs, the better it is for your home. You may consider a lotus, orchid, bamboo, narcissus, or chrysanthemum for this purpose. It is also beneficial to place plants on top of your kitchen cabinets. Huh. Yes, yes, yes. Plants, 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 plants. <laughs> plants are a must for me. I have somewhere to between 40 and 50 houseplants throughout my, my home. Taking care of them keeps keeping them healthy. It, bring, it brings me joy. And also, I feel like the air quality in my house is supreme. <laughs> There is so much, so much oxygen being pumped into my, my house. From a feng shui perspective, plants are a good example of water and earth element living in harmony. Also, plants look so pretty and bring the outside in. I'm not sure why plants on top of the kitchen cabinet is a tip here. Visualizing that, I don't know why, it gives me like an early 90s dated looking vibe in the way that I'm thinking about it. I'm sure it can be done in, in a modern, tasteful way. I suspect that it is uh, about the elements when you're cooking with fire, metal, water. Um, something about having the grounding earth element there is, it does seem ideal. So that's an interesting tip. I like that. Next one, keep the path to the front door clear. A lot of people are accustomed to keeping various things near the doors and windows. However, it's important to organize your home space in such a manner that you leave free space there. Free space there. Okay, so don't have it cluttered. One, one such important place is the path to the front door, which is a direct connection of your apartment or house with the universe. Keep this area clear by removing clutter. It's a good idea to add something in the hall to make visitors pause as this will slow down the energy flowing into your home. Mm -hmm. Don't place the front and back door opposite each other as the chi energy will leave your home too fast. Oh my gosh, uh, this is a lot to unpack here. Okay, I love this one. Entryways are, 
are certainly important and particularly the path to the front door as this as this article says 6 years ago when my husband and I bought the home that we live in now I was going around and doing most of the looking he would only see the houses that I first okayed because there were definitely homes out there I wouldn't even consider, even though they were nice and all, because of the icky front entrance. Something that if it couldn't be fixed without spending a ton of money on, on the renovations, I was not having it. I would go, I would look through, but nope, if it was if it, if it wasn't right, no, thank you. I know my husband is actually secretly grateful that I took a look at our, our potential houses with the perspective of energetics in mind. He recently saw a house that that we were thinking about and I ultimately said no because of the energetics. And he was like, wow, what was I thinking? Because he was kind of pushing hard for this house and I I just had to say, sorry, can't do it. (laughs) And he now sees it as like, wow, what was I thinking? So I think he's getting better at reading energy too. Something just fell off about it. So he gets it. Um, now, if the home is perfect, except the path for the door, and there are things that can be done, then it's okay. I'm thinking of a house down the street from me. There's like a T junction. The road leading up to the house, it's odd. It's as if the road went directly up to the front door. It didn't because there was like a junction. So if you were driving up one street that the the house address actually wouldn't have been on this street. It was a side street to it. But the right angle, it looked like you could drive right through the front door of this house. Yucky, bad vibes. I did not like it. I thought about it. (laughs) I mean, it's a random house. It wasn't one that I was ever looking at buying. But the property and the home are gorgeous. Beautiful otherwise. There's there's a flowing brook on on the yard. Gorgeous cedar trees. The home itself has just beautiful aesthetic outside. But that door... Ugh, nope. Like just looking at it gave me icks. And I would think to myself, dang, they need a mirror there. They need a mirror there so badly. I literally almost knocked on the door. <laughs> but guess what? That house sold. And now the new owner has a large mirror right beside the front door. So when cars are driving up this street directly toward their front door, the energy is reflected back out. So the new owners must be really, really in tune with energies or they know feng shui because the mirror effectively corrects the problem of too much stranger who knows what kind of energy coming right to the entrance by bouncing it back to the street. Okay, what else was touched on there? Oh, in this tip, have a space to pause inside your front door. Yep. I have that. I have a bench, you know, somebody can sit on, take off their shoes or whatever, but something so it's not just so rushy. (laughs) Like when your front door is open, you know, energy is coming in and, and just for them to pause. Ideally you would want your guests to check in with their energy before they come into your home. But a, a pause area is a good idea. And also if you open your front door and you can immediately see your back door, I'm sure this doesn't happen all that often, but if you can, if your back door and your front door are aligned and this tip says this, that's, that's not good because your chi just goes right out. The chi energy leaves the home too fast. And 
So that would be good for bad energy, but your good energy isn't getting getting trapped in your home. It's just going right out. I would put a mirror on the back door facing inwards, facing inside. And so kind of effectively bouncing back in the good stuff. So it's not all leaving your house. That's what I would do. Okay. And it's funny I talk about mirrors because the next, the next tip is mirrors matter a lot. Applying feng shui to house design cannot be created without mirrors. With their help, you can enlarge the space. You can bring in more light and more air into it. Mirrors can energize a room so they are better for the dining room than the bedroom. Okay. Yep. Mirrors are great. I just, I just talked about that in the last tip. I don't really have much more to add there other than that they can be used as a tool to reflect energy from a space. And just as I had mentioned, they can also be used as a tool to reflect like bountiful or good energy. So look at what you can see in the reflection of the mirrors that you have in your home. Um, I definitely have a mirror in my bedroom. I wouldn't see that as too big of a deal. I like to see if I have my outfit in line, but we can bend the rules on that one. <laughs> uh, next tip, keep things and windows clean. Naturally occurring to feng shui, cleaning, especially wet cleaning, should be done as often as possible. It is necessary to take care of not only windows and open surfaces, but also the space inside cabinets, chandeliers, flowers, sofas, etc. Specialists believe that water is the best cleaning since it tends to absorb negative energy. Hmm, very interesting about using water. I'm going to take <laughs> this as my nudge to clean inside of my cabinets with a wet rag. <laughs> Maybe you all will think that too. Cleaning inside my cabinets is not something I do on a rag. I should maybe do that more often. <laughs> Because uh, it does, it definitely does make sense. Next tip, add a fountain or aquarium. In feng shui, water is considered to be a material representation and symbol of wealth. If you want positive energy to pour into your life, who doesn't? It's recommended to place an aquarium or a fountain somewhere near the entry or outside the main entrance. Ah... That just gave me a visualization of like a dim sum restaurant. They all, well, not they all, but many, many, many in, at least here in BC, have huge aquariums at the front door. Huh. That just gave me a little, um, a little vision, a little flash in my third eye of that. Okay. I love that. The sound of bubbling water is soothing. Nothing wrong with that. My two boys have really wanted an aquarium and... That's one of those things I'll probably oblige them on as water is one of the toughest elements to really be in balance in the home without having a fountain or aquarium. So looks like I'll be getting some goldfish this year. Maybe I'll put it by the front entrance. <laughs> okay, some negative... Oh, remove negative symbolism is the next tip. There are lots of things we associate with particular events, memories, or thoughts, and not all of them are positive. According to feng shui house design rules, people should discard objects that symbolize challenges they face in their lives. Instead of them, it is necessary to add the things you would like to attract in your life. Mm -hmm. For instance, if you're single and not happy with the situation, 
you should try adding coupled things to your interior. Oh, that's quite practical and makes sense. I, I'm going to take this further and give a little tidbit of keeping portraits of people who were in pain. So, okay, to give you an idea, when I was like 19-ish and I was living in a basement suite, like a basement apartment, I had this really neat picture. Actually, I think there was two of them. I really loved them when I got them. Wood, like a wood picture of Marilyn Monroe. It was black and white. I really, I just, I liked it. It was cute. It was a cute little decor thing that I could buy. And um, no, I think I was given it as a gift actually. When I thought about it, after a few years of having it, and I thought, man, she's smiling, but look at her eyes. They are so sad. And that prompted me to kind of look into Marilyn Monroe. I wasn't necessarily a fan. That's not what I why I got those. I just like thought they were cute. Um, she didn't have the nicest, you know, life. She really, really struggled. Who knows, on the day that that photo was taken, she could have been seriously struggling emotionally, spiritually, physically. And, and that's like a snapshot of that energy, you know, in my, in my space. So when I had that kind of light bulb moment, I thought, Ooh, I'm, I'm taking these down. I took them down that day and I had given them to a friend who often admired them. <laughs> Not that I was trying to put bad energy into her home, but I didn't want to throw them out. So if you have things that maybe you didn't give it quite, quite a lot of thought, but actually it's like a snapshot in time that is not necessarily a good memory. Might be a good idea to revisit that. Funny enough, I think there's a brand new movie on Marilyn Monroe on Netflix. I'll check that out. Next tip, fix all broken things. One of the first things you can and should do is to check which things surround you every day. Without a doubt, you will find things that are just left for better times and are not likely to ever ever be used. You may also have broken things or objects that have to be repaired. According to feng shui, you should get rid of all the broken things as they symbolize suffering and failures and attract problems. If there's a leak in the lavatory, it should be fixed. As with water, positive things leave your home. Always keep the toilet seat down and its door closed. Oh, I could not agree more with that. Feng Shui recommends avoiding the following. Broken objects and equipment, cluttered closets and rooms, blocked doors, dirty windows and objects, storage of objects under the bed. Hmm. To me, that makes sense. I like how it's put in practical practical terms here. You know, keep your eye on your space, your home, your environment. Keep it clear clean, in good repair. It just feels better. Water, having a dripping tap or a running toilet, that's not good. That's as far as feng shui, your abundance going down the drain, right? So also um, keeping the, the toilet closed and the bathroom door closed. Well, that's just protecting other people from smells. Can you tell I live with two boys and a, and a man and even our pets are males oh my goodness there's there's pee on the floor guys <laughs> when you have two little boys there's pee on the floor I'm always cl- spraying the floor and and closing the bathroom door and yelling close the close the toilet lid 
<laughs> and it's not just about cleanliness for me. It is about energetics. I don't want the the lids open. It's it's not right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, all those tips. I think that's the last one. Yeah, that's the last one. They just, they make you feel better. As I clean and dust and vacuum, I speak to my home. Like I speak to my plants. I speak to my home as well. I literally say out loud, thank you for your warmth, your shelter, your comfort. As far as um, attracting abundance and, uh, and attracting things that you want into your life, gratefulness is really the, the starting place for that. And so saying thank you to your home, it might sound strange to some people, but really holding gratefulness for what your home gives you is a good way to call in more of what you want. Energy is everywhere all around us and within us. To some people, a house might be wood, nails, drywall. But to me, it's so much more than that. And Spirit Talk listeners, some of you may not have put much thought into the inanimate objects that are within your home, but I know that you can tell the difference when chi is flowing well or not. So whether it's using feng shui or your own intuition and gut feelings, I really invite you to take a look at your surroundings and just check in with how you feel. What arrangements might feel better? Try a different combination of things. Declutter, fix broken things. Leave a little bit of space to welcome in the new. Learn about the elements and how to apply them and arrange them. Whatever you do, do it with trust in yourself and have grace and patience. It takes time to to get your home to where you want it to be. And for me, I'm okay with it being a never-ending thing. If you aren't feeling super great in your home, it won't just happen overnight. So just have patience. Um, but with a, awareness and intention, your space can be a real healing, nurturing, energizing home. And I really wish you the best with it. If you guys have feng shui tips, tricks, stories, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a direct message or an email. All, all the stuff will be in the show notes, including the website I had the tips from. If you enjoy Spirit Talk, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review. Uh, you can join the Soul Tribe on Facebook and follow me on Instagram. That's where I'll leave it today. Until we meet again, friends. Bye.